Hello and welcome to the Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani and I am your host. Here on the Connected Generation, we explore all things legacy wealth and legacy businesses. How to build businesses and wealth that would have sustained impact, not only over time, but also over space. Businesses and wealth that would outlive the founders that originate them. And we have conversations with voices from all over the world, both business owners, thought leaders, teachers, that come in an environment of authenticity, vulnerability, and curiosity. And this week, I was joined by a returning guest, Wenga Ogujimi, who was on episode 108, The Power of Telling Your Story and Defining Your Identity as a Family Business Owner. I would definitely recommend you listening to that, perhaps after this episode. And who is Gwenga? Gwenga is a business storytelling expert. His name is a Yoruba name that means to elevate. And that has really led him to his life's purpose of elevating leaders from good to great. He's a phenomenal coach, has coached hundreds of business leaders at really successful organizations. He produces documentaries and has a great documentary on Amazon Prime called A Small Business Documentary. And he's the author of Borderless Voice, The Power of Telling Your Story and Defining Your Identity, which he unpacked on the last episode he was on, like I mentioned, episode 108. This week, he's here to unpack another book, which I am his biggest fan. His book is called Future Leader, Seven Prophetic Declarations for Shaping Your Child's Identity. So definitely recommend that you listen into this one. It's so powerful, how to bring up the next generation so that we speak life and speak powerful words over them, over our children, to frame their identity, to discover their purpose as a strategy. Tune in and enjoy. Hi, Gwenga. Welcome back to The Connected Generation. It's awesome to have you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so thrilled to be back. Thank you. Yeah, the last conversation we had was just phenomenal and on point and um, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you again but for the benefit of those that may not have listened to the first one that you were on can you just introduce yourself and tell us how you got to where you are okay um, I am a business storyteller I'm a social entrepreneur Um, I'm an author as well Uh, my previous book is called borderless voice the power of telling your story and defining your identity Uh, There's a chapter in that book about family identity. Um, Mm. It was a kind of a prelude to my new book talking about how do you take authority over framing your family story and be intentional Mm. about your family identity. I kind of set the stage for my new book called Future Leader, Seven Mm. Prophetic Declaration for Shaping Your Child's Identity. Um, When I'm not writing, uh, when I'm not doing speaking, coaching, uh, also now teach at the University um, of District of Columbia. I teach business and business storytelling. That's powerful. You know, what really struck me was um, you're a busy man. You have things to do. <laughs> you run a community, you consult, you provide documentaries. You, um, like you said, you just started teaching at university. So why invest in writing future leaders? What was the motive behind that and the journey into 
writing it? Yeah, for every aspect of my life, including this one, it always happened accidentally. So I'm an mm-hmm. accidental children's book, uh, by extension, Christian book writer. I didn't even know I'd be the, call myself that title. But, you know, the story behind this book, I'm a new dad. Uh, mm. You know, my da- my son turns one year in one week. So his name is Obatide. Obatide is the Nigerian word for the king is here. Mm. And while my, when my wife and I were expecting Obatide, um, you know, my wife could not wait to start baby shopping. And, mm. and she got this book. It was a bedtime story book. And, and the book was about, it leaned very heavily on cultural identity. So, uh, like a wise husband that I am, I withheld my comment to myself, and I didn't say anything. <laughs> so, she was pushing and said, Benga, would you say anything about this book? Um, so, finally, I said, I'm not sure I'm a fan of this book. And she said, mm-hmm. why? I said, it focused too much on cultural identity. I mean, talking about black is black, black, black. I was like, okay, I'm a black man. We're black people. Nothing's going to change that. I think mm-hmm. every child deserves a moment of innocence um, and a moment just to be a child. And, and it's a responsibility of the parent to shape and to protect and guard that space so they can mm-hmm. truly see the world as borderless, um, without boundaries, and see the mm-hmm. beauty of diversity in all cultures. And so that's my perspective. And I say if there's any aspect, it will be the spiritual component. I want to see mm-hmm. a book like that. So she asked me, that okay, Benga, what kind of book would you rather see? And I'm so thankful for that question. And I prayed about it and I heard the word, Why don't you document your prayers? Um, so every day in our morning routine, uh, you know, we pray in the morning and we pray over the pregnancy, over the baby, and I'll make mm-hmm. these declarations. And I was challenged to document this, de- this declaration and eventually became the book Future Leader. And you know what? I have a copy and I've got two boys, age seven and four and a half. And they love this book. Like, I'm not just saying it because it's you. I've tried for the last seven years to have a some, some kind of a bedtime routine and in, incorporate reading into it. And it really hasn't stuck. Uh, we will just like talk and then we'll say some prayers. And then I'll t- myself and my husband will tuck them in kiss them goodnight and lights out, etc. But with this book, they are the ones chasing me. Mommy, where's Future Leader? <laughs> where's Future Leader? And they love um, the pictures. They ask me questions. They will stop me and ask me, what does this word mean? You know? Um, and so, yeah, I'm the biggest fan of the book. Um, it really has added a lot of value to my kids. And it's, it's really great to see them kind of see themselves in the book as well, right? Like they see young mm-hmm. black men mm-hmm. like in the images and really just affirming them and like you said, prophetically declaring a better future for them. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been getting some responses back. Uh, people love the book. Um, and I think one of the things that resonate with folks um, is it helps you with the vocabulary. Um, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey or even with prayers, um, it provides you the language um, to be able to to do so. Um, mm. And the language is framed, you know, it's, it's the imaging, the imaging of the book is framed for children, but the language is framed for an adult. And yes. 
exactly. So, and that was intentional because it's meant to be prophetic. It's meant to kind of give language for the future of the child and what mm. they are becoming, and not not what they are currently are, but what they are becoming. So, the ability to give parents such a language to prophetically speak into the future, I've been getting a lot of feedback that that really resonates with them. Yeah, what you said is so apt. The language is for adults because at times we all have our moments, right? I read it, I'm like, ah, oh, I needed to see that. It's like that was for me. <laughs> you're a change maker. You're a wealth creator. Like you are. Like so, as I'm reading it to the kids, I just feel a sense of like calm and um and just more optimistic about the future. So definitely, I loved what you said. It's not for what the kids are; it's for what the kids are becoming. Mm-hmm. So tell us. So tell us more about the categories. There's seven categories in the book and the thinking behind those. Yeah. So the seven categories starts with um, you are a man or woman of God. Uh, so first of all, I should say the book is somewhat gender specific. So mm-hmm. there is this content is the same, but there's a version for a boy child. There's a version for the girl child. And the reason is because of the pronouns. So it doesn't mean that prayers work differently for for gender is just the pronouns and addressing you know some kind of uh when it comes to the pronouns there so you start with the you are man or woman of god and enhance with you a global blessing your seven mm-hmm. categories in all um so it has your man of god your wealth creator are uh, you a change maker history maker uh man of integrity um and a global blessing um, so the, the man of God, you know, just kind of speak to the spiritual identity of the child as a spiritual being. Um, the idea that spirituality is not reserved to a title, is not reserved to an office, is not reserved to an hierarchy. Every one of us was spiritual being having a human experience. And the, the book and that chapter kind of connects the child to their spiritual identity. And the spiritual identity is one that trumps and oversees every other aspect of a child's identity. So it speaks about that spiritual leadership the child would have and really helping the child understand uh, and to see themselves that way. Um, So it talks about the power of the spoken words, that Mm -hmm. when you pray what happens, that you, you you are a man or woman of prayer. You know, it talks about your temperament. This idea that the fruits of the Spirit is the personality of God, is the personality of Christian being. And that can become your identity because when whatever you are on the spectrum of temperaments, um, whether you are being extroverted or introverted, ultimately we should be getting towards a temperament blend. Um, and you cannot just stay in one aspect of say this is who I am. You really have to have a mesh, a blending of all temperaments, and that is where maturity really happens. You may have a dominant side of your personality, your temperament. Now, with a Christian perspective, that is the fruit of the spirit. And when the fruit of the spirit gets matured in you, it gives you your own personality, and that becomes your personal brand. Um, it also speaks to the spiritual community of the child, um, the, whether it is their parents, their spiritual parents, their mentors, their teachers, the affirmation is get, whether it's their wife, their accountability partners, or their husband, 
you know, you're prophetically declaring all those things over the children as well. Um, and, and, and lastly, just kind of on a daily basis, um, rededicating the child and saying that for every day of your life, you would serve the Lord. For every day of your life, you would, you would be in tune with your spiritual identity. You would not struggle with that identity. It's just praying that spirituality over the child. And I remember my pastor saying this one time that there's a two type, the two type, there are two types of prayer over a child. You can pray for the child and you can pray over the child. And when you pray over the child, it goes with them for the rest of their life. Even when they try to stir stir away from the faith, it's going to go after them and make sure they go back to the right path. And is this overarching idea that we should train a child in the way it should go, that when they grow, they will not depart from it? And that also speaks heavily with the spiritual component. So that is what the spirituality and being a man of women of God represent. Uh, let me stop right then. I can even talk more on other chapters. No, that's powerful. I was just thinking, um, you mentioned the temperament blend. When that happens is where we when maturity happens and that's when we start to see the fruit of the spirit really as a Christian. I was just thinking for those that may not be well versed with, you know, all the Christian nomenclature, what are the fruits of the spirit if you can educate? Yeah. So there's a long list of the fruit of the spirit. Um, so I, I thought it's interesting. It's not called the fruits of the spirit. It's called the fruit is one fruit one. that have multiple expression. And I think the very first one is love and joy and peace and self-control and temperance and long-suffering and kindness. And, you know, these are the virtues that we live for, that we strive for, um, that we yearn to become more of, that we need in the world. And these are not just values that make us a good person. These are values that are highly transferable into our place of work, into our family, into our community, into our government, into our businesses, into our corporate organization of values. When you look at the value of service um, and being kind to one another, it's nothing but customer service. Uh, customer service mm-hmm. is just there to serve. So their business is multi-million, billion are now going into trillion-dollar industries built on that core value of service, of mm-hmm. just being kind to one another. And how can I serve? It's a fruit mm-hmm. of the Spirit. And when we think about servant leadership, even within the uh, Christian community, we look at those who serve as the overtly nice person on Sunday morning that smile to you, and say, welcome where you want to be seated, <laughs> and, and just try to be in your business. But you want to elevate that beyond just the four walls and look at how that is applicable in commerce, in, in community, in business, in enterprise. It's the same mm-hmm. values that are highly transferable. Um, mm-hmm. Faithfulness, um, mm-hmm. fidelity, commitment, loyalty. So these are the things that really makes up the Christian DNA that makes up the Christian identity and who you are. And I think once you come in tune with that value, it begins to overcome deficiencies in the character that we all have. Um, and we can say these are strengths, these are weaknesses. Ultimately, we want to get to that place of a blend. And that is the fruit mm. of the Spirit. And that really makes up show up with presence. Um, I try to describe some people. I call them the force of nature. 
you know when you are with someone who are in tune with themselves, who know themselves, um, they have authority, they have presence, they have power, and they have authenticity within them. And that is really what all the food of the spirit uh, what the food of the wow, spirit is all about. Wow, wow. I can literally spend the next hour just talking about this alone, but I, this is powerful. And what I love is that it's really speaking to the foundation of the, the character, the personality before focusing on the pursuit of things or accolades or impact. And it lays a foundation for the, fe- the, the next, um, the next categories in the next, um, pages of the book. And in the interest of time, I'm just going to pick on probably two or three. Um, Tell me more about Wealth Creator. Yes. Um, You know, Wealth Creator is something that is very important to me. I believe there's a scripture that talks about we've all been given. We've all have access to this capacity to be Wealth Creator, to create wealth. And financial education, um, you know, I do this series called uh, Changing Your Money Story. Mm. And how majority of us grew up within homes that money was not talked about, that money was an adult subject. Um, we don't have conversation over the dining table. We didn't mm-hmm. see our parents struggle for money. We just know that the lights were on. We just know that the bills were paid. We were not involved into that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, while that may be good, they had great intentions of shielding us you know, from the reality of being an adult, of being a parent. But the unintended consequences for most children and for a lot of people, it gives what is called a money avoidance uh, mm-hmm. frame, script, meaning that you not you avoid financial conversation. This shows up how you negotiate about your salary. This shows up when you read the fine prints of a contract. This shows up when you have even romantic conversation and talk about money. Um, you just have why this shows up even owning and commanding your own value and true worth. So I want to be very intentional and normalize financial uh, terms within the household at a very early age. And I want the, uh, the child to see themselves, regardless of their career and their industry, regardless whether they are called to nonprofit or they are called to for-profit or public service or governments or um nine to five or corporate, whatever role they are called to, wealth creation is independent of all of that. We all Mm. have within us the responsibility to be a wealth creator. We all have within us the responsibility to be financially astute um, and to understand and to be literate in the language of money and to be a wealth creator. One of the highest best-selling books ever in financial literacy is Rich Dad Poor Dad, Robert mm. Kiyosaki. And the very first chapter he said, he said, the rich do not work for money. And, and I'm still, I'm in my, I turned 40 a few months ago, and I'm still unpacking that. And I read that book in my early 20s, about two decades. How do you mean not working for money? Mm. And it, for me, when he hits on, whereas in the scripture, when he talks about you cannot serve two masters, you either serve or is someone's going to work for money or work for God. You got to choose one. So I said in that chapter that you work for money, you work for God, you don't work for money. And we know the height of, and you are a woman of wealth yourself and you're a financial person, so you understand it very well, that the height of financial freedom 
is when you get to a place that your money starts to work for you. Working for you. Yeah. So, and really that is the process of even creating legacy and generational wealth. So that chapter kind of speaks to that, that you are a wealth creator and it speaks about concepts of generational wealth. Um, it speaks about this idea that money in your hands is a force for good, that money in itself, you know, is neutral. Money in itself is a tool, is how you apply it. You can use money to advance destruction in the world, or you can use it to do good in the world. But in your hand, money is a tool for empowerment, is a tool for growth, is a tool for peace building, if a, if a tool for community building. So money in your hands um, is, a, is a force for good. So it speaks to that. It also speaks to um, all that would happen because you have this financial literacy and all that you can do in the world because of that. So I really want parents in this chapter not to make the decision, to wrestle with this idea of, do I really want to groom or raise my child in business or in for-profit or in non-profit? That is independent to creating wealth and generational wealth. That is really independent. That is their vocation, that is their calling, what would they have? They are wealth creator. You can be an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur. You can create wealth within a policy. And I think one of the greatest wealth creators are even those in policy because those in policy create what is called systems impact. They have the mm -hmm. ability to create laws that create prosperity and truly common wealth. So imagine someone who goes into public service with this mentality of a wealth creator and are creating laws that really helps to create prosperity at a, at a very large national global level. So that is what we're talking about. Regardless of where your field is, you should see yourself as a wealth creator. And I really want folks to start normalizing this thought process and building this financial paradigm that we're not just raising our kids to go get a job. And that job mm. is a conduit for them to serve. And I'm not knocking nine to five. I'm not, that's not my job. What I'm saying, that is not where they get their money. That is where they mm -hmm. are called to serve. Whether it is in the world of medicine, whether it's in the world of politics, or whether in the world of technology, uh, you cannot be financially free with a paycheck. So, but you, you're there to serve. You're there to use your, your talent, your gift to empower your community but it does not, again, release you from the responsibility to create wealth. And we know that wealth creation really does not happen because you have a lot of money. Um, mm. Really, you don't need a lot of money to create wealth. You, know, you need the knowledge of what to do with it. More money does not solve financial problems. And if you want to challenge me on that, ask yourself how much money have come to your hands in your lifetime. How many millions of dollars? How come they have not stayed? How mm -hmm. come the same opportunity given to two people would have two different outcomes? So, but how do you take that capital and convert that capital into wealth? That is what that chapter is all about. Powerful, Bringa. Like, uh, okay. So you said you started as we all have within us the responsibility to be a wealth creator and that really took me aback responsibility is a strong word if you had said ability 
I would have been like, yeah, 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 I get that. But responsibility, can you unpack that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm very intentional with that word. You know, because when we look at financial, um, when we look at the world of finance or financial progress or prosperity or financial freedom, there is a tendency to think it's us versus them. That is me versus them. Like there are certain people, is it are people groom? Is it is it nature or nurture? Is it who you mm. are? Is it what you become? Now I'm mm. saying every one of us have that responsibility within us, and you really have to define what wealth means for you. And in the previous chapter, we talk about wealth being tangibles and non-tangibles, and um, that makes up your financial wealth. And the tangibles include, you know, your which are with the character, your personality, your temperament, your perspective, your paradigm, your community. All of those things make up your intangible wealth. The tangible are the financial assets that you have. You have the responsibility to understand the role all of this shapes into your own wealth. Your personal brand is your greatest wealth. Your name, who you are, is your greatest wealth. You have the responsibility to elevate that. You have the responsibility to make sure that you are leaving a name greater than who you are for the next and subsequent generations, and they can lead into that. Uh, one of the things that I love about this United States of America is this national value that every generation, every individual has the responsibility to make the country, the environment, their community better for the next generation. When I came to this country, and when I heard like those in policy debate about bills that wouldn't go into effect, or project that wouldn't go into effect for 10, 20 years, I'm like, and you're really fighting about this. I'm like, well, you're not even going to be around. But it's the responsibility. It has to be better for the next generation. And that is wealth creation. It's not... I should also establish that wealth creation is not consumerism. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's not um, extreme capitalism or materialism or just acquisition and consumption. Wealth mm-hmm. creation starts from the place of creation. When it comes to wealth, you're either a creator or a consumer. You have the ability and responsibility to be a creator. A creator of products, a creator of solutions, a creator of values, a creator of opportunity, a creator of strategy, a creator of community. You have the responsibility to create all of that and to make it better than you made it. Wow. Um, I have so many questions. <laughs> wow, that's so powerful. Um, on to Changemaker. I think that's we only have time for one more. Yeah. Yeah, Changemaker is a skill. Um and I think uh, change-making is a skill that everyone should cultivate and every child mm. should cultivate. You know, this idea that you can transform your community. And I think the image was that was very, very intentional. So you see the young little future leader, and it's a community of these great heroes. And he starts with Gandhi and Mandela mm. and Harry Tubman and Mother Teresa. Um, and you know, you know, and has all these heroes on the t-shirts on the you know the boy or the girl is wearing, and talking about these individuals were every other citizens. Mm. Um, and I think when we start to understand the agency that we all have, that when we look at those who have changed the world, who continues to change the world, 
We want to see them as special, but I think at some point, they were just like every one of us. But something mm -hmm. happened in their thought process, and they gave themselves permission to lean into the truth and the superpower and take on the mantle of change making and say that we have, I have the responsibility to change my community. And it's not contingent of what I have or what I don't have. It's contingent of this agency of me self-activating this process within me that I have what it takes. So one of the things I said in that chapter, when I look at these heroes, that uh, because Ari Tutman was born, freedom came to African Americans in the United States. Uh, because Gandhi was born, freedom came to the people of India, India mm. as well as Mother Teresa, because Mandela was born, freedom came to the people of South Africa. Because you were born, freedom has come to your family, to your community, to your industry and the countries of the world. And I think if you start to speak to child with that and higher level thinking, they start seeing themselves even within their classroom that they are change maker. They are there mm. to change, even even in, within their own room, even within mm. their own house, that you are a change maker, that it, that is who you are. And it's not contingent to a title, it's not contingent to an office, it's not contingent to a family, it's just who you are. And wherever you are, you have the responsibility to change the world. So my academic background is in international development, international relations. Mm. And, and I'm been, I've always been fascinated with a story of an uh, organization called the UN Foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, the UN Foundation is the philanthropy arm of the United Nations. Did you know the history of the United Nations? The yeah. history of the United Nations was an individual, an American and a single man, a private citizen called Ted Turner, make a gift to the United Nations gave or one person gave a billion dollars in philanthropy donation to create United Nations Foundation and impact the world at such a global scale. So when wow. things, when there is crisis in Ukraine, people say, what will the UN do? When there's crisis in Rwanda, what is the UN doing? When there's crisis, what is the UN doing? So we look to an external source to come and transform. But an individual said, I might not have the office, but I have the financial means. But I'm going to elevate my vision in such a way that this global international agency can have a philanthropy harm that really helps community address social justice issues. An individual did that. An individual. And I can go on with different countries, just put, put up CNN heroes. You see all these people. But I don't want you to limit it to those who have money or those who have means, regardless of where you are, change making is a skill. And you are a change maker. And I think it's important to start speaking to children and holding them to that standard. Wow. What I loved is what you said and you repeated it. it really, I had like chills. It's not contingent on what you have or do not have. It's not dependent on a title. It's not tied to an office. It's not tied to your family. Change making is a responsibility to change the world. And it's a skill that everyone can cultivate. So how, as parents, as we're nurturing, stewarding the next generation, how can we start to inculcate that in the next generation? 
Nick, a perception is changes and becomes reality. And the power of spoken words that it helps to frame perception. And as I said previously on this podcast, that the greatest border in the world, it is not external, it is not military, it is not financial, it is not cultural, uh, it is your own self-perception. So a book like this helps to frame a child's self-perception, and that becomes the reality. Um, so the very first foremost way is for them to start seeing themselves as one and allowing themselves to say, this is who I am. I am a change maker. Everyone has this internal compass within them that orients them and lead them to the direction they should go and have what the opportunities are. Um, your, as my, you know, pastor would say, your soul knows the terrain to your destiny. It knows the mm. pathway to go to where you are supposed to go. So, but you have to see yourself as that. When you look at Abraham, God said to him before he had a child, he was still dealing with infertility. And he said, you are a father of many nations. And one of my favorite scriptures, when Jacob, that later become one of the fathers of the country of Israel, and his children become tribes, they become ethnic groups that forms that nation, was we never saw Jacob alter his lifestyle in any spiritual office. We saw him as mm. an entrepreneur. We saw him in his family's politics. We saw him with his struggle. We saw him with his marriage issues. We saw, we saw him as an immigrant in different countries. We saw him um, as an apprentice, as a business owner. We never saw him as, an, as a spiritual person. Mm. But upon his transitioning, he calls his children and he spoke individually to one of them. He spoke the identity of who they are. He spoke change-making into them. He spoke change-leadership in, into them. He spoke global leadership into them. He spoke thought mm. leadership into them. Um, he spoke industry leadership into them. And, it's, and it, it really framed who they are and who they become. And that would happen over a stretch of a lifetime and continues to happen to today. So I think the responsibility of every parent is you don't have to be a spiritual leader in a professional role. is to cultivate that change making, is to help frame the perception of who they are. Mm-hmm. And each of those prayers is really framing, really help framing self-perception. Your greatest gift you can give to any child is the knowledge of their identity and the knowledge of their heritage. And I think once they have that and the identity is a change maker, and I think that is your commitment to them. They will figure it out. They have within them what they need to do to get to that level. Powerful. My God, powerful. So how can people find this book? Yes, I should show you the pictures of the book. This is the this is the future leader. This is the one for the boy. Um, and this is the future leader. This is the version for the girl. Um, it's now available on Amazon. Or if you go to my website, bengard.org forward slash future leader, um, you can get the book. Um, it's available on hardcover. Please leave a review. Let me know how the book resonates with you. And you can definitely pick it up on Amazon. Oh, incredible. I, I, whilst you were speaking all through, I was just thinking, how did you learn all these things? Or was it? Wow. Well, yeah. Like, how? Like, ah. how? <laughs> if 
I guess that's a podcast episode on its own, but okay. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So for me was, um, you know, I think all my life, I'm one of those people who really, really want to become a dad, who really want to become a family person. And I, my prayers was so, so long ago, uh, mm-hmm. praying in this direction and just getting, you know, getting all the necessary information and training I could get um, before coming into this role. Um, and I think that just having the opportunity to, you know, to have good parents myself and the privilege made them to role model what it means mm-hmm. to, to raise a future leader. Um, they may not be as methodological as mm-hmm. I'm trying to make it now, but that is who they are. I think, I think that, that, that really helps. And, and lastly, for me, I just think that once you get, once you are in tune with your spiritual identity, it just have a way to shape, naturally shape every other aspect of your life. Lastly, if you permit me to leave uh, folks with this, one of the titles there is also called Man or Woman of Integrity. Yeah. And, and I really want to say that integrity in that context is not so much of morality. Integrity is authenticity, is being old. And I think alignment. when you come into that level of alignment, it just shape every aspect of your life, including mm-hmm. being a parent, including being a professor, including being a coach, including being every other aspect, being a community leader, um, be, you know, being an international entrepreneur that we talked about in the last podcast. It mm-hmm. just shapes every aspect of your life and you become this authentic being and that becomes the presence you show up with. First, it becomes your self-perception it becomes a reality. It becomes other people's perception and eventually experience of who you are. Benga, thank you again. This was just out of this world. Um, thank you for gifting us with all your wisdom. And um, I hope folks go out and get their books because, yeah, it's definitely a staple, like I said, in our routines now. And my kids absolutely love it. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Nikkei. I just am Winger's biggest fan. <laughs> Honestly, um, I love what he said about the power of the spoken word and also giving vocabulary, appropriate vocabulary to frame perceptions when we are raising the rising generation. But you know what? I actually found that um, this book is so powerful for me, even as an adult, in having just pure clarity of words, of language, and practicing these declarations and affirmation over myself as a leader. I loved what he said in terms of the values that we live for and that we yearn for. And I find that um, for a lot of us business leaders, um, next-gen entrepreneurs, change makers, philanthropists, investors, disruptors, Oftentimes, it's not, it doesn't meet the eye, but values are really at the core of what we do. And as families as well, it's really important that we get very clear as to the values that we live for and we yearn for. And we empower ourselves both individually and collectively as change makers. Loved what he said about the distinction between being a wealth creator and being a wealth consumer. And that one needs to change one's money story 
and one's mindset. And what I love in, in the book, and my kids absolutely love this page, and it's on the Wealth Creator page, there's an image of a young boy or young girl, depending on the version you're reading. So as Winga said, there's a version for boys and there's a version for girls. And you've got this little young boy and he's, you know, someone's shaking his hand and it says, you're hired. And really changing one's perspective to from a young age to see that I am a wealth creator. I speak and understand the language of wealth. I have no limits, lack or scarcity in my consciousness. I find that this is so powerful to start to ingrain in our kids from such a young age. Then I loved what he said about change making, that change making is a responsibility that is not contingent on anything. And I found this such a powerful such a powerful um such a powerful message because quite often the kind of implied message is that change making is reserved for those that are powerful for those that are wealthy for those that have access but Benga's language uh, is one of we are all change makers it's not contingent on what you have it's contingent on whether you see yourself as a change maker or not and I absolutely love that There's so much more in the book that we did not get to unpack and I will just outline the other elements that are in the book that we didn't unpack and that is you are a thought leader, you are a history maker, you are a person of integrity, you are a global blessing and like I said this book my kids love it. It's a great bedtime kind of routine um, that we've introduced in recent times I also find that it's such a blessing to me (laughs) as a leader because as I read it I just I'm consecrating positive thoughts in my mind and I use it to counter so many negative thoughts that come at me so definitely recommend that you get a copy you can find it on Amazon and continue to please share the word because this is such powerful powerful work that is changing and shaping an entire generation of change makers, history makers, thought leaders, people of integrity, global blessings, wealth creators, and so on and so forth. So yes, thank you so much for tuning in as always. Take good care and God bless you.